And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. It's Tuesday, of course, The Real Investment Show. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Of course, as we get... uh, this, this last week of May really underway here. I mean, we're kind of plowing right into it. Monday, a holiday, as I talked about yesterday. It's Memorial Day on Monday. Holiday shortened week next week as we get into the third month of the quarter. It's, I can't believe it's already <coughs> the end of the second quarter. I mean, this is just really going by too quickly. But here the we good are. news is yes, we're almost halfway through 2022. I know. It seems like it just started. And, you know, bad news is it's getting hot outside. Yeah, I mean, right. it's, uh, temperatures are definitely rising. Uh, so a couple of things, you know, yesterday had a nice rally in the markets. We kind of talked about how the markets over the last couple of days have held support here, important support, and then rallied a bit yesterday after that support. That was really good news. And, and the problem is, and this has been kind of the uh, modus operandi of the markets as of late, has been we get these rally days and the next day we give it all back up and, and more. And this morning, futures are definitely pointing lower once again. Part of this is really being drugged down this morning by Meta, uh, formerly known as Facebook. And, I, I, you know, I just want to know when Zuckerberg became Prince, right? <laughs> that's, that's all. I mean, it's just like your company's name is Facebook. Everybody calls you Facebook. And now you want to change your name to Meta. It's like... I'm Meta, formerly known as Facebook. Yeah, he's leaving himself wide open for a bunch of bad punchlines. Yeah, I know. It's coming. Wait, just wait, wait till they get to the unpronounceable symbol part. <laughs> that, that'll be the next thing. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, le- uh, last night, Snap, uh, which is the social media application, uh, Snapchat, missed on everything. Uh, revenues, guidance. <laughs> it was just a terrible report. Now, Interestingly enough, this is, of course, where the youth hangs out. Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok are really it. I mean, that's, that's where the younger generation really kind of houses all of their social media activity. So it's interesting to see that Snapchat missed so badly since it's kind of one of their platforms. But nonetheless, that miss is now dragging down the rest of, of that social media space. Meta being drugged down as well with it, of course. That's weighing on the overall market this morning. The question is going to be, uh, you know, again, can we have a little bit of a pullback today, which is okay. You know, after a a decent rally on Friday, a follow through, uh, and I shouldn't say it wasn't a decent rally on Friday, had a big recovery on Friday. uh, We'll put it that way uh, at the end of the day. Decent rally yesterday. The problem is, is we keep giving these gains all back plus more. And that's kind of really been been the mode here. We get these nice little rallies going and then we have one day just gets wiped out. That'll be the question today. If we have a little bit of a pullback today and the market rallies back into positive territory, just at least rallies back towards even by the end of the day, that would be okay. What we don't want to have happen is basically giving up all of yesterday's gains and closing at near or below Friday's lows. That's going to be that's going to be the real test here for the markets. And if we do that, if we kind of fail today and then and then set new lows, that's going to suggest that this you know kind of one day rally we had was it, and we got some more lower lows to go. Now, as we've talked about here recently, 
all of the indicators remain extremely oversold to the downside. Uh, we were very close to triggering a MACD buy signal yesterday. That didn't happen. That's going to get held back today by, by price action if the market does remain down for the day. And this has been a very elongated sell signal for the markets. It started back in March, believe it or not, and has been just dragging down lower here for the last two months. So April, May has just been this continual downtrend in that MACD signal. And that's really keeping this market under pressure. I know it's a lot of technical kind of mumbo jumbo, but the, the, the point here is that price action has just remained very negative. We've had eight straight weeks on the Dow and if we finish you know, negative this week, there'll be eight straight weeks for the, for the S&P to be negative in a row. And that's a fairly long stretch. There's what's called a buying or selling stampede in the markets. And, and this is normally what we see is periods where on average you have 15 to 17 days of, of kind of steady buying or 15 to 17 days, uh, trading days of steady selling. We've had a very elongated stretch of just constant selling in the markets. And, and this has really been pushing a lot of these indicators down to, to much lower levels. Very oversold here. Again, and we've talked about this you know, need for a reflexive rally in the markets. And that, that would be helpful here for two reasons. One, if you could string together a few days and a 5 to a 7, 8, 9% advance, First thing they'll do is help pull some of this negative bias out of the market. Now, if you're kind of on the, in the camp of a bear market's coming, a recession's coming, as we talked about yesterday, there's so many people expecting a crash, so many people expecting a recession, that normally that doesn't happen, right? It's, it's when, uh, as Bob Farrell once said, you know, when all experts agree, something else tends to happen. That's usually the case. Everybody's expecting a recession right now. Everybody's expecting... A, a market crash. And, and typically what that means is, is that markets have gotten two offsides. So there's actions that are going to happen. A lack of bad news or just even some mildly positive news can reverse that. And if you do get a five, six, seven, eight percent advance here, which would be fairly strong, what you'll see is all the media switch to their side. Ah, see, bear market's over, no recession in sight now. And that's the setup that you need to actually have the recession later on this year, which is what I suspect will happen here at some point. But we've just not been able to string together that rally just yet. So keep a watch on this. One thing, too, is very behind the scenes. Interest rates are coming down. We were near, you know, 3.2% on 10-year Treasury rates just a few weeks ago. We're now down to 2.8% this morning. That doesn't sound like a big drop. But for interest rates, that's a fairly big move. So interest rates have been coming down. Bond prices have been coming up. That's suggesting that inflation is cooling off and that we've seen probably the peak of inflation. This morning, I was tweeting out that if you take a look at what's happening with the L.A. ports, that congestion at the ports is now is now re being reduced. Big, you know, there's that congestion is, is starting to become easier. That congestion is easing. And that's going to start helping bring prices down as more supply gets into the market. So, you know, one thing that investors tend to do in individuals is we tend to extrapolate these ideas about markets into a never ending infinite streak. That's not the way markets or economies work. These things that are unbalanced right now, whether it's agricultural issues or baby formula or, you know, supply, supply problems coming out of the ports. Those all eventually get resolved. It's just a question of timing 
till that happens. So what we want to make sure and do is, is that it's fine to be long these trends for the moment. Just don't forget that they do ultimately reverse. And when they do reverse, we've got to, to make changes in our portfolios elsewhere. And again, as we talked about in November of 2020, back then, everybody hated energy. Now everybody can't be long energy enough. That suggests that probably a lot of that trade has already been made. We want to start looking at areas that have not been performing well. What is it that everybody hates now? Maybe that's what we need to be looking at. But we'll keep a watch on this uh, in particular as we get through the day. The market again under pressure this morning. Again, what we've got to do here though is hold those lows from yesterday. That's going to be key here. And of course, we'll report back to you first thing in the morning, tell you where we are, kind of what happens next. Uh, coming up this morning, a lot of stuff to get into here on the show. So stick around. I'm Real Science Roberts. Don't go away. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com some people don't know about bonds i am told this is a bond i've never seen a bond before i never owned a bond in my portfolio it is terrifying get to know bonds in our next free lunch and learn thursday june 2nd with richard rosso danny ratliff and special guest lance roberts register now at realinvestmentadvice.com the thing about bonds with ratliff rosso and roberts realinvestmentadvice.com the real investment show Welcome back to the show this morning. I'm Real Science Robert. 617 as we kind of get this uh, Tuesday edition underway. Lots of stuff happening, you know, kind of around the world of, you know, as we speak geopolitically. Now we've got rhetoric going on between China and Taiwan now. We've got what's happening with Russia, Ukraine. We've got the, the whole issue with the financial markets. I mean, just really kind of everywhere you look right now, it's just bad news. And that's really part and parcel of what's been kind of weighing on the markets and as we kind of get you know through this and and keep going you know through this cycle of just this continual selling pressure in the market this is where it you know begins to weigh on investors begins to weigh on advisors um and and especially after you know a couple of years here we and, and we tend to forget where we come from a lot of times but you know after a couple of years of just hey it's so easy a monkey can do it you know, all of a sudden, you know, things have gotten challenging in the markets. And, and this is becoming, you know, a lot more problematic. Of course, this leads to very negative decision making. Everything is bad. Everything is terrible. Markets are only going to go down. I was doing a, um, a, a video yesterday with, uh, you know, Wealthy, uh, with uh, Adam Taggart over at Wealthion and, and the guys over from New Harbor just talking about the market dynamics and where we are. And, it, and it's interesting that, you know, as I'm reading the comments, kind of scrolling down on the side of the page, it's, you know, just the worst of the worst, right? You know, everything is terrible. Um, 
markets are collapsing, you know, the, the world's coming to an end, the dollar's going to collapse, the, the economy's going to crash. And that type of negative sentiment, again, tends to be kind of wrong. And what I mean by that is that normally, historically speaking, going back hundreds of years, our worst fears generally never come to pass. And But if we make decisions based on those worst possible outcomes, it tends to impact and impair our portfolio performance going forward. And we tend to make these decisions that hamper us from being successful, whether it's in, from investing or you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to start a business now because, you know, the world's going to end tomorrow. And then by the time you realize that the world didn't end, then the opportunity has passed you by for one reason or the other. So, again, it's important to always kind of keep a balance and our perspective on things. But as we talked about yesterday, this is why so many advisors around the country now have, have kind of adopted this just buy and hold mentality because it's just like, well, I can't really beat the market, so I might as well just kind of go along with the market, whatever it is. But is that really what we're supposed to be doing as, as, a, as, a, as an advisor? Is that really what I'm supposed to be doing for clients? And as clients, is that really what you're paying for? And I think that's a big question. Joining me this morning is Chris Behan. He's our business development officer here at uh, RA Advisors. And, and the reason I brought him in is because he deals with advisors from all around the country. And I, and I think it's just kind of an interesting kind of an aspect to talk about because the trends in the industry, you know, I, I think are, you know, have changed to a degree that, it's not necessarily that beneficial for individuals long term. And I think it's just a function of how markets have worked over the last decade. And then, of course, what's happening now. Chris, good morning. Uh, good morning. Thanks so much morning. for having me on. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you, you talk to a lot of advisors. What, you know, as, as you know, this is, is kind of one of those things as we're talking about is, you know, everybody's kind of gotten very complacent in terms of, you know, asset management and advisory, you know, products, et cetera. But, you know, times are changing. I totally agree with you. The buy and hold is not working. And as the markets are so volatile, there's a lot of concern both in the retail side as well as the advisor industry. And they're looking at themselves going, what do I do to add value to my clients? And that's the big question right now, Lance. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, this is where we, we fall back on, you know, kind of, you know, more simplistic ideas is like, okay, well, you know, we're going to add value by doing financial planning, right? That That's great. And there's nothing absolutely wrong with financial planning uh, as a degree, but is that really what you know clients pay for, right? Because ultimately, in the day, it's about about growing assets. It's about you know making sure I can meet financial goals, and the financial plan is a huge part of that because it does you know tell you what your goals are and how to get to those goals. But if you don't have the asset management part of it, you know, that's kind of kind of gets you only halfway to the. It's kind of like having a car with no wheels or no engine or no engine. <laughs> yeah, from from our standpoint. Um, I can't agree with you more. The, the basically people are, are taking a look at preservation right now mm -hmm. with this uh, market that's so volatile. They don't want to lose money, and they really want the opportunity just to, to hold uh, the course. And they're looking at themselves, going, "Am I with the right advisor to do so?" And many of them are calling it, as well as advisors are going, "What are you guys doing differently?" And 
we here have you know a more active management approach which i think resonates with the retail customer as well as with a lot of advisors since they may not have that opportunity at their firm to have that type of model or philosophy with their organization yeah well look i mean you talk to a lot of guys uh, you know a lot i shouldn't say guys that, that would be an incorrect statement because you people talk to a lot of people yes uh every day and you know, and, and really on the individual side as well, you know, and, and those stories kind of all seem to be the same. I, I was just talking to a, a very nice lady the other day that, you know, she's with a very big outfit, you know, and, you know, one of these, you know, premier asset advisory companies. They're on every website, every media, you know, outlet, et cetera. And, you know, not going to mention them by name, of course, but... <laughs> You know, I, I saw our portfolio yesterday and it's down 30% for the year and the market's down, you know, 18%. And, you know, she's very, she's very later stage in life. And here she is 100% equities down 30%. And, you know, this, and that's not uncommon of what we're seeing right now. Uh, absolutely. And I'm getting those calls as well. And uh, you've talked about slowly getting in the market. I had a conversation with uh, a retail customer that in a six week period, their advisor dollar cost averaging into the market all the way down 30%, like you said. So uh, there's a lot of concern out there from from uh, all aspects of it. It's, you know, th this is one of those markets that you really get to see what value your advisors are bringing to the table. And I, and that's, you know, the bottom line, people are calling us. Well, and, and again, you know, the, I think the point is, is that you know, when the tide goes out, we see you swimming naked. Yeah. <laughs> and we're seeing a lot of that right now. Thank God I got a bathing suit. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and again, I, I, you know, but trends are also changing in, in the in the kind of the marketplace as well. I mean, you know, there's a lot of aspects now, you know, digital advisory services, robo advisory services. And, you know, there for a while, you know, we heard a lot from Betterment and Wealthfront and those companies. And it's been very quiet on the robo-advisory service side as of late. We haven't heard a lot from them. I would agree with you there. I think because people hear the word algorithm and they're a little fearful that no one's actively managed their accounts, that they're not getting the value uh, from that standpoint. I, I know we have a couple of models here from our standpoint and I and you're the, the you know the CIO on it. So I'm, I trust that you're doing what we need to do with, I don't call it robo, I call it a digital solution and mm -hmm. I, and I believe that we have a really good offer from our standpoint that really helps advisors who, excuse me, clients who are trying to grow their assets and and and, uh, and keep their costs down. So from our standpoint, there is that need and we're just trying to fill everyone's uh, need if, it, if they want to do it themselves or if they want to have someone just manage their money or they want someone just to do the full uh, wealth management using one of our CFPs. To work with them we have a solution for everyone uh, under the sun and I, I say yeah that's a lot uh, hey <laughs> you, you created it <laughs> so anyway um you know it but it is interesting i mean market dynamics are changing that's really starting to weigh on the markets and and you know for a lot of advisors it's just a function of trying to find a place and you know where you can kind of marry you know, these aspects of portfolio management, financial planning. And, 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 you know, the interesting thing is, and this is one thing we've talked about a lot here on the show, is that, you know, not one person can do everything. And that's the big challenge. You know, having a really, you know, the one thing that, you know, that we've developed over time is having a really good team of people where everybody has their own jobs. And for advisors that are looking for a firm to join, you know, that's, 
you know, that would be the one thing I would be looking for. It's like, do I have to do everything myself or do I have somebody going to help me do that? No, that's the one thing here that you, when you bring on talent, everyone plays to their strength. And a lot of people don't understand this. The RIA space is about a $5 trillion space. And so there's a lot of dollars in play. And more importantly, advisors historically think they have to, to bring in the money, they have to invest in the money, and then they also need to have the relationship. And from our standpoint, we have the ability to, um, to segment what strength you want on the team. And th for example, I had an advisor call me a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about seminars. And this woman asked if we were doing seminars and more importantly, if they were live. And we, I said, yes and yes. And she's like, I knew it. So I was chatting with her and it turned out I knew her. Uh, and it, it was really funny. I'm like, you know, where did you go? And she told me where she went. And so I, I said, how do you like it there? She goes, I don't really like it that much. So uh, I'll be chatting with her in the next two years to see if she would like to come work with us. What was really funny is this woman, uh, this advisor, a professional, she's been in the business 30 years. She looked at me or, or was telling me over the phone. She goes, you know, I've been listening and, and, and reading all of Lance's uh, material for years. It's really good stuff. And I, I'm like, but you're an advisor. She goes, it's free and it's really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is free, but I mean, but you you worked for a major a major warehouse before you came over here. I mean, and and you saw a lot of the same stuff with advisors, though. I mean, this is this isn't really new. It's just that I think the difference is now is that we're in a market environment that's no longer easy. You know, for so long it was just the market just kind of went up, and you really didn't have to do a lot. Now all of a sudden, everybody's having to work for a living, and that's really kind of changing the dynamic of the whole game now. Get off that golf course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we don't. We don't play golf here, do we? I don't. Uh, I, we don't have game, time. My golf game's terrible. Well, we don't have time. We're you know, we're meeting with people and talking. So I can't even I can't even go to Top Golf and play. <laughs> you, I mean, you, I'm, you, I'm so bad they just won't even let me into Top Golf. Yeah. It's like, but you have nets. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it's it's all good. <laughs> we'll be right back after the break. Don't go away. Investment Advice Blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Some people don't know about bonds. I am told this is a bond. I've never seen a bond before. I never owned a bond in my portfolio. It is terrifying. Get to know bonds in our next free Lunch and Learn. Thursday, June 2nd with Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Lance Roberts. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The thing about bonds. With Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Small businesses are discovering that attracting and retaining top talent come down to more than just salary. In today's highly competitive job market, compensation is more than just wages. Hi, I'm Tom Allen, RIA Advisors Retirement Plan Consultant. Healthcare and retirement plans can make the difference in hiring and retaining the best employees. We can show you how to build an affordable, effective employment package that delivers true value for your workers and your business. Call me toll-free at 855-RIA-PLAN or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. 
And now, another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. A passive investment portfolio requires active risk management. It's not a choice, it's necessity. Diversification doesn't protect against risk of loss. Let us actively help you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors, 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm Real Slanch Roberts. It's uh, Tuesday as we get things underway. Markets are set to open down this morning. And, of course, Ray Dalio's talking in Davos and, you know... <laughs> If he says the words cash is trash, it's probably the time to be buying stocks because I went back and checked. Every time he says cash is trash, it's pretty much been the peak of the market, right? So we'll see if this time is any different, but uh, typically on the wrong side. Um, anyway, um, you know, as you know, the market's though under a lot of pressure, like I said, just negative news everywhere you look. And, and that's, you know, making it extremely difficult on individuals to manage money. Because, again, it's just we don't know where it's going to end. And as I said yesterday, I was doing this this podcast and, you know, all the comments were just as negative as they could be. The dollar is going to crash. No, the dollar is not going to crash and go away because there's a whole lot of dynamics that occur. But when we talk about the dollar, it's the dollar as it relates to other currencies or a basket of currencies. And that's where the value of the dollar is, is derived. So what's going on right now why does the dollar continue to get stronger despite all these prognostications that the dollar is doomed and it's going to zero well the dollar keeps getting stronger because well we're the you know we're not a great economy but we're better than everybody else right it's the it's the cleanest shirt and the dirty laundry type scenario and that's what's going on so it drags these foreign reserves into u.s dollars and where do they go they go into u.s treasuries and that's why we've lately have seen the dollar getting stronger and bond prices going up and, and yields coming down here a bit so that's you know it, it's important to you know when you read all these negative headlines and those type of things and it's certainly concerning and it's certainly very worrisome right i mean it's 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 terrible weighs on you keeps you up at night it's like oh my gosh what's going to happen my portfolio is doing terrible and this is why it's important to you know have an advisor that you know is is kind of focused on keeping a balance right and you, you can't be balanced if you're all bullish you can't be balanced if you're all bearish it's it's you know you've got to navigate the environment for what it is and this is and this is an important point of what we were talking about yesterday on this podcast which is you know it's very easy to have these very negative long-term views yes the world's going to end it's going to be terrible um, there's nothing good on the horizon but those things will change and as I said earlier you know if you kind of make that one-sided bet that everything is going to be terrible you're going to wind up on the wrong side of, of the trade Ultimately, and you know, you kind of jump from the frying pan into the fire. And this is what we see. There's a every year a company called Callan 
puts out the periodic table of investments. And they look at sectors, they look at markets, and they look at the annual rate of returns for each of these in any given year. So they look at, for instance, they put out the periodic table of returns of major markets. So it's U.S. large cap, U.S. mid cap, small cap, emerging markets, international bonds, you know, those type of, of kind of major markets. And then they rank them every year from top to bottom based on performance return for that year. So if you kind of think about a periodic table, that's what it looks like. And what you will notice is that most things that are ranking at the very top in terms of performance last about a year, maybe two. And not surprisingly, although it surprises a lot of people, that performance drops to the bottom tier of performance, you know, after that couple of year period. So things cycle. Well, what happens with individual investors, though, is, is that by the time they recognize, so we look back at, at 2021 and we say, oh, wow, emerging market, I'm just picking something, 2021 emerging markets were doing great, right? And tech stocks were terrible. So I'm going to be long emerging markets this year and short tech. Well, about the time that you figure that out, <laughs> that trend is over. And this is why I was saying earlier, you know, right now, what is it, you know, in November of 2020, we were talking about here on the show, we were writing that, you know, everybody hated energy stocks. Remember, energy prices went negative in May of 2020. And we said, look, everybody hates energy. This is probably a good time to buy it. And so 2021, 2022, energy's had a great run, right? Now everybody hates tech. Everybody hates bonds. This is the most; these are the most despised asset classes. And there's real value starting to show up in some of these areas. Now I'm not saying that everything is a value. You don't go out and and buy all stocks, but there are certain pockets of value that are certainly beginning to show themselves. But everybody hates them so much that the sentiment is so negative on some of these companies that. Those are the areas that we want to start buying because what's the whole purpose of being an investor, right? We want to buy stuff cheap and we want to sell it when it's rich, but we always do everything backwards because emotionally we get greedy. So we buy everything at the top and then we get fearful. We sell everything at the bottom. And that's what we do repeatedly over time. And this is where, you know, as, as I was talking about with Chris here before the break um, in the last segment is that, you know, that's the real value of an advisor, Right. So, I mean, let's talk about what a financial advisor is. And I think this is, you know, and we've, and, and look, the industry has tried to change, you know, dynamics and change how we re relate to things to try to make it market better. Back in the day when I was growing up, we were called stockbrokers. And that got a negative connotation because it's just a bunch of guys in suits selling stocks all the time. But honestly, those guys did a lot of work back then. They actually did the work. Yeah, they were selling you know, stocks for a commission, but average hold times were six years. They were actually, you know, finding, you know, looking, doing the research on companies, buying stocks with value and, and helping build portfolios and construct them for long-term returns. And they did very well, but we didn't like that term, right? That wasn't, that wasn't marketable enough. So we changed it all to financial advisors now, but, and what does that term actually mean? Right. It means that we're supposed to be an advisor. We're like a doctor or a lawyer. Right. You, you go to your lawyer for advice. You go to your doctor for advice and for help. That's what a financial advisor is. So you go to your advisor and say, hey, I need help understanding this. I need help with this. And that's what the whole industry is supposed to do. But we've gotten very far away from that. 
and back into a position of just selling product again. And, and, and look, part of that's the Fed. Because of all this liquidity we put in the markets, markets just go up. So selling product became very easy. Just, hey, here's a portfolio of ETFs. Buy it. Pay a fee every year. And it's awesome. Well, what advice are you actually getting? And that's, and I think, you know, and, and, and Chris, I think that's kind of where we left off talking a little bit is that, you know, I think there's a lot of really great advisors out there that, you know, just haven't really found a good home that lets them be the, the advisor that they want to be, right? It's, Absolutely. You know, and what, like, you know, there's, you've got some stats on that. So if, if you take a look at stuff, um, 72% of advisors, when they do go independent, like the technology better. So technology helps in the client experience. When it takes a look at separating from the uh, firm they're with, uh, they, the, the former brand, they're allowed to brand themselves. They increase their bottom line. They also have the ability, uh, I think there's two big fears, compliance and transition. Yeah, compliance fears me too. Oh, when I get that call from, <laughs> from you know who, I, I, I get scared as well. I'm, he's like, I'm just calling. I'm like, okay. Uh, about 75% of the folks, when they do a transition, that means moving their practice. And it might be 300 accounts. It might be 500 accounts. It might be 1,000 accounts. That is a big fear factor. And nowadays, with all the custodians and with our team, we can make that a very seamless experience from that standpoint. And then when it comes to compliance, uh, because we're a fee only, we're not on the FINRA side, we're on the SEC side, that compliance is much easier. Doesn't mean you, you can't do anything bad. It just means it's much <laughs> easier from that standpoint. And then at the end of the day, because we, something that you brought up is everyone has a role here. I believe in a lot of the advisors that work with us say they have a better quality of life because they don't have to be all things to all people. We have a team of folks that can support you in all aspects from transitioning on to the client who's looking for a, uh, to move some money. So from that standpoint, we have a full service team that helps advisors grow their practice. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too, because you know right now a lot of advisors, they don't wanna move because you know the market's down, right? So yeah. it's a tough time to move. And when markets are, are high, right, it's a tough time to move. It never seems like there's a right time. If you like, you know, I, I really kind of want to make a move, but it never seems to be the right time. And that's that's always the problem, because when markets are down and you move, you're worried you're going to lose clients because you're making a move in the middle of a downturn, which is where we are now. So that makes it tough. And then when markets are doing really well, well, markets are doing really well. So why leave? Right. <laughs> so, uh, I, I've, I've heard, if I if I got a nickel for every time someone told me that I'd be a very, very rich man. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the best time is to move when you're ready and you've made the commitment. Once you make the decision, there are very, very few people. And this is from working from a former custodian out of, say, a couple of hundred of folks going to the RIA's platform. I've only seen or heard of two firms going back to a wirehouse. So the, the numbers uh, warrant that once they come over, they've, they've come into the water and, it's, and the water is fine. So from that yeah. standpoint. And, and, and again, it's it's you know part and parcel of this, and you've been doing this. You're working for how long? Have you been working with advisors? Like 20 years? I've known you for about that long. Well, I've been in the industry about 25, 26 years, but I've yeah, I've probably 14 on the institutional side, and then altogether, you know, I've worked at Schwab, I've worked at you know a couple other competitors type deal, and then with you guys, I have a lot of. I've been around the block once or twice. You know, look at the hair. I used to have jet black hair and I used to be skinny. <laughs> Things do change. <laughs>
Thanks, man. <laughs> Unless you're Lance Roberts and you, you know. Not anyway. always for the better. Tough anyway, stuff. hey, thanks a lot for coming in today, Chris. Hey, thank you so much. All right. Um, if you want to talk to Chris, uh, go to our website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Just click the Join RA button, and you can talk to him directly if you have any questions at all. Um, come back from the break. Can we make it eight? That's going to be the big question. Um, you know, where markets are today and what does it look like as we head into the end of the month and as we move into the end of the quarter, which is right around the right around the corner, how much do mutual funds, pension funds, hedge funds, advisors, how much do they have to do in rebalancing? Be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Some people don't know about bonds. I am told this is a bond. I've never seen a bond before. I never owned a bond in my portfolio. It is terrifying. Get to know bonds in our next free Lunch and Learn. Thursday, June 2nd with Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Lance Roberts. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The thing about bonds with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. realinvestmentadvice.com. So as I was talking about a minute ago, you know, this kind of sheer relentless kind of sell-off in the equity markets over the last few weeks. You know, the Dow has pushed eight straight negative weeks. S&P's down seven. And the question, of course, is can we make it eight? I mean, it's, the, it's like it's a challenge now. Can we just not ever go up again? And it certainly feels that way. But again, as, as we've talked about, this is, you know, the market's repricing risk. That's really all that's going on. It's important to keep this into some kind of context as – you know, to where you are. And again, one of the big problems that we have right now is that we're all anchoring to where we were at the beginning of the year. That one of the one of the things that we do poorly as investors is track performance. And what I mean by that is, is that you don't do it poorly because you can get it everywhere, right? But we consistently do things that are not to our best advantage in terms of our mental state and our ability to navigate markets. One thing we do, is like, for instance, is that we mark performance every year, January 1st, December 31st. How did I do last year? And look, I'm not saying that's not important. It's important to know where you are and how you've done. But you lose context with that, right? You forget that, yeah, you're down, you know, 17 18% this year, whatever you're down, you know, with the markets. But you... And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm losing all this money. But you forget how much you made last year and the year before where the market made 120% advance from the lows. So, yeah, you're giving up some of those gains, but that's part of what the market does over time. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be navigating the risk. I'm not saying that at all. But it's important to keep some perspective about where we are. Here's a good stat for you this morning. So as of yesterday's close, the market was down 18.7% for the year. Okay, that's the sixth worst drawdown in the history of the markets going back to 1946 outside of a recession. But see, there's the key words, outside of a recession. Now, if we get in a recession, that median drawdown runs about 30%. So now you're down to 18. Now you've got another 10 to go, basically, to get to recession levels. And, of course, there's other ones like October of 2007. Markets were down over 50% for 
from the peak. So I'm not saying that things can't get worse because they certainly can, particularly if we do get into a recession. But what's happening is that markets are repricing the risk because for the last couple of years, we've we've basically said, hey, you know what? Valuations don't matter. One of my favorites has always been valuations are cheap because of low interest rates. And it doesn't take very long for interest rates to go up before valuations are no longer cheap because of interest rates. And those things change. And we forget that those things change. And so we make these decisions in our portfolio saying, okay, well, this current environment is now going to be the permanent new environment. This is the new environment that we're in. So now I'm going to base my entire portfolio based on this new environment. It's going to change again. And this is why it's important that you remain flexible in your views and not get too biased in one direction or the other. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be long certain things or short certain things. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But just remember that those opportunities will pass. And there's opportunities being created in markets right now that by the time you realize those opportunities are there, they'll be passed. And this is why, why, as investors, we're always kind of behind the curve. We're always buying, you know, what's already run up and we're always selling what's going down. And we're always doing the exact opposite of what we do because doing, doing the right thing is very uncomfortable. We don't want to sell things when they're going up because we might miss out. You know, I could sell Apple and it could go, it could keep going up. Yeah, that's true. It could. That's okay. It's okay to leave some money on the table for somebody else, right? When things are down a lot, we don't want to buy it because they might keep going down. That's true, too. They could. But this is where your homework comes in. This is where doing your math works. And this is where focusing on longer-term outcomes becomes important. Apple's been under a tremendous amount of pressure. Could keep going lower. Absolutely. Absolutely. But this is a company that everybody buys their products. I'm not making a case for Apple. I'm just using an example. You know, ExxonMobil's doing great right now because oil prices are high. But what happens when oil prices fall again? Is ExxonMobil still going to keep doing great? Maybe I should take some profits out of ExxonMobil and maybe buy Apple. I'm not saying do that. <laughs> I'm Example. I don't want an email that says, well, you told me. I'm just making an example, okay? So just, it's important. But my point is, is that we have to start thinking as investors about doing what's not comfortable. And that's a really hard thing to do. Because, but that's where opportunity is made. That's where money's made. You know, there's, I was talking to a, a guy yesterday, a great friend of mine, and he is the epitome of an investor. And I wish, I wish I could invest money the way he invests money. He's very successful at it. Unfortunately, because of SEC, you know, uh, you know, Securities and Exchange Commission rules and guidelines and compliance, all these things, I can't invest the way he does for, for other people. I can do it for myself, but I can't do it for other people. But he concentrates positions. He finds a company that he absolutely loves he digs into the balance sheets, the income statements, the fundamentals. I mean, he's really smart. And he piles in. I mean, literally, I think he has maybe two positions in his entire portfolio. Heavily concentrated. 
Now, he hedges it by writing calls and buying puts and things like that, but he's got a long-term thesis that he works on. And it may not work right now because markets are going down, but if his thesis plays out, he's going to make a lot of money down the road. But that's what investing is. That, that's truly what investing is about, right? We can't do that in terms of, you know, our client base. We have to run a, a more diversified portfolio, risk management, these type of things to, you know, stay out of trouble. But, you know, being a real investor is tough. You know, one of the one of the the toughest investments is investing in your own business because there is no guaranteed outcome. It's all based on you, your hard work and what you're doing, right? But that's where a lot of money that's where most people make the majority of their money. There's very few people that made, if any, have made tremendous amounts of wealth in the markets. Their business is what normally makes the money, right? And and we talked about this before. You know, uh, Warren Buffett made his wealth by managing other people's money. You know, as investors, though, we have to start thinking differently, and that's a very hard challenge for us. And, and particularly when the markets are just weighing on you, like right right now, and you know, it's it's. It's the headlines. You wake up in the morning. It's like you go to bed last night. Hey, Marcus had a good day. Feel great. Get up in the morning. Everything's blood red. And you're just like, oh, here we are again. Market headlines every day just you know, kind of beating you down. Ukraine, Russia, China, Taiwan, you know, economy, economic data, you know, bad market days. It's just, you know, it's just every day you just feel like you're getting hit from every corner. And this is where it's important to step back and, and take a breath. And I, this is one thing I was saying yesterday is, is uh, on this podcast is, look, I mean, there's a point to where this starts impairing your wealth, your relationship with your family, those type of things. And if that's happening, it's okay to just step back, to step away and say, look, I'm, I'm just going to be out of the game for right now and I'll come back a little bit later. That's, you know, uh, the problem, though, with doing that is the getting back in part. You know, you can make that choice to just leave the game, right? But it's very tough to get back into the game. And, and you know, there's we talked about clients here that we've had that, you know, have been out of the market since 2009 and, you know, are just now trying to figure out how to get back in. And, you know, here it is 12 years later. That's the problem with getting out. But this is where we've got to really go back, and as we were saying earlier, you've got to do the homework. And you've got to set the emotions aside. You've got to you know, let these daily volatile changes that are going on, you've got to set them, you know, set back here a bit and say, you know, I, I understand where we are right now, but what is the real particular outcome of this? Could it get worse? Absolutely. I think there's a real good possibility this gets worse before it gets better because the Fed's still committed to hiking rates and tightening policy. When the Fed changes their stance, that's probably going to be a pretty good signal we're near a low, right? We're not there yet. But those things can change very rapidly. I mean, literally, tomorrow you could wake up and the Fed can make an announcement, hey, they've changed policy. So you don't know when that's going to happen. But there's things we can watch for. 
again, you know, watch credit spreads. We're watching credit spreads really starting to kind of pick up steam here. That's not a great sign economically. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the economic data beginning to weaken rather sharply. That's not a great sign for markets. So there is a lot of trouble. And I don't want to set that aside. I don't want to, to minimize that risk in the markets currently. Because it's definitely there. But also at the same time, we've got to make sure that we're preparing to take advantage of the opportunities that are coming. Get by the website. New articles are out on the website this morning talking about the lost decade ahead. That's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Send your questions, comments, emails, whatever I can do to help you. Always happy to do it. Get by. And, and also, we just released a new update to simplevisor.com with a uh, stock research page that has, you know, plug in your stock symbol, gives you all kinds of technical and fundamental analysis on stocks. That's at simplevisor.com. You can try it for free for 30 days, simplevisor.com. Have a great day. Be back tomorrow. Three minutes of markets and money coming right up. It's a rich man's world.